Good morning, everyone. All right. <laughs> I am thrilled beyond belief to get to speak to you on Independence Day, a day of celebration for this country. I'll bet most of you already have plans later today uh, that you can't wait to get to, so I'll do my best not to drone on for too long. But Independence Day, <laughs> what a day. 245 years ago on this day, our founding fathers made a world-shaking decision and a new country was born. That's cause for celebration, right? We pulled off the puppeteer strings and said, we'll walk on our own. We don't need anything we don't already have right here. And that takes guts, right? Standing up to an authority figure and saying, I won't take this any longer is hard enough on, their own, on its own. And they did it to a whole country, an absolute superpower. Crazy, right? Absolutely world-shaking. I wish I had that kind of courage. And so on this day that celebrates separation and independence, I'd like to look in the opposite direction. Have y'all ever heard that humans are social creatures? What is that term? Social creatures? Well, it means that we thrive off of interaction, and it's actually harmful for us to be alone for long periods of time. We gain something from being around one another. It's healthy for us, like a daily dose of vitamins. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Nah, not me. I like to be alone. Me too. I'm the same way. I could spend days by myself and be totally fine. In fact, there are times when I would prefer it. But that isn't true, is it? Everyone needs human interaction, and we all get it in one way or another. That short exchange with your coworkers before you clock out for the day, the smile you get from the lunch lady, that call from a grandkid. And we get something back from this that is crucial for our health and our well-being. Human interaction is important. Still not convinced? Then let me tell you a story. On Valentine's Day in 1972, a man by the name of Michelle crawled down into a cave that was quite literally deep in the heart of Texas. He decided that, in the name of research, he would stay in that cave for six months. And in that time, he would not see the light of day or interact with anyone, not once. Now, to the slacker in me, that sounds pretty nice. Six months of just sitting back and letting the reports write themselves? Sign me up. Now, the experiment started off very well. Michel anticipated his inevitable boredom, and so he brought with him numerous books and a record player to help him pass the time. Unfortunately, it wasn't long before Michel's situation started to get worse. It was very humid in the cave, and within a few weeks, the moisture had broken his record player, and mildew covered the pages of his books. He was now good and truly bored. Or, I guess you could say, he was now good and truly alone. Now, this experiment was supposed to measure the effects of extended time without natural light or human interaction on an individual. And as time went on, Michel's condition got worse and worse. Uh, for one, his memory began to slip. Just little things at first, but eventually it got so bad that he forgot anything he didn't immediately write down. 
His body even started to suffer as his physical condition worsened. He exercised, but that wasn't enough to keep him healthy. He described the way he felt as being a marionette that had its strings cut. Long, spindly arms and legs that he felt he didn't have the strength to move on his own. And when he exited the cave, Michel was a changed man. The six months he spent in there were difficult, and the trauma he suffered carried over into his normal life. So what happened? Why did Michel's isolation affect him so badly? Well, as I mentioned before, this experiment was supposed to measure the effects a lack of sunlight and a lack of human interaction had on Michel over an extended period of time. Now, they were anticipating for the effects to be very negative, but they wanted to know what it would do to Michel if these everyday commodities were taken away. They wanted a clear answer. Now, not having any light, and that, that hurt him mentally. Not having anyone with him, that hurt his heart. Loneliness, it can be a heart crippler, and oftentimes when we find our hearts aching, it's because we feel alone. But there is some good news in all of this, good news that we can take away from Michelle's experiment. We now know a big cause of why our hearts ache, you know, because of this loneliness. And the solution to this problem is just as simple as it seems. Let me phrase it like this. If you are lonely, what do you do? You go out. Something that is getting increasingly easier to do, praise the Lord. But you go be with people. You interact. You join a community. Community. That's what I want to focus on today. Because community is what the church is all about. People coming, to, coming together to worship God, becoming one people, one family. Now, there are three things about community that I believe are true 100% of the time. Let's count them off. First, a community is stronger than any one person by themselves. Second, a community is where God is. And finally, a community does not judge because they are there to help, not to hurt. So I'll touch on all of these points, starting with that first one. Have you all ever heard the saying, one person can fight off one assailant and two can fight off 10? When I think of any church community, that is exactly where my mind goes. That is how I explain our struggles to myself. When we are alone, we might be able to handle the small things, you know, tiny sins. If we put the effort in, we can stop ourselves from telling that little lie to our parents. We can resist the urge to speak harshly to others. But once the sins get bigger, things quickly grow beyond our control. And oftentimes, we struggle along in vain, thinking that we are alone, we are enough alone to handle our own problems. Ah, but we couldn't be more wrong. On our own, we are nothing more than children waving around dull blades at giants. In the face of overwhelming sin, we buckle under the pressure and get, well, overwhelmed. Why, you ask? Because we weren't made to do it alone. 
And luckily, we don't have to. That is where our church community comes into play. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That seems to do it, right? When we gather with other people and receive their help, we are no longer children holding dull blades. We grow stronger, using each other's strength as our own, and we, in turn, lend what strength we have to help others. It is a mutually beneficial relationship. We continue sharpening ourselves until we grow strong enough to make our problems tremble in their boots. And why do they tremble? Because we've become untouchable to them. Two can take on 10. Our community has our back. But why should we turn to community? Aren't we supposed to lean on God in times of crisis? Exactly. And that's just what we do when we start leaning on our church community. Do you all remember the story of Solomon building the temple? Often referred to as the first temple because it was the very first house of God to be built. It was magnificent, worth a fortune and worthy of only the most prestigious of ancient gods, the one true God. And God, of course, accepted Solomon's offer, and he took up his dwelling in the temple. But where was God before the temple? He wasn't floating around aimlessly, you know, watching his people from afar. No, he was living in the hearts of each and every Jew, because where they gathered, so did he. And guess what? He's still here today. He's right here with us. He's in here. And he's in here for each and every one of you, even more so when we come together like this. Now, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 illustrates this perfectly, and you can read along in your bulletins. Cooper did an excellent job reading it this morning. It says, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, there you go. No ifs, ands, and or buts. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So when you reach out to your community, when you lean on them when you're struggling, you're leaning on God. So lean away. They can take it. God won't let a single person fall when they are supporting one another. Now, the beautiful thing about community is that it isn't formed first and then decides which people to help later. Ah, I believe the opposite is true. Maybe in this case, the chicken didn't come before the egg. See, I believe you have found a strong community once you've found the people that hold you up. Community comes about as a product of that help being received. So in all cases, 100% of the time, you can depend on your community to help you. <laughs> it's literally why they're there. And a community is a fluid thing, constantly stretching to add new people to its ranks. And because that community can change and grow as more and more people come to it. And because community is fluid, it can bend, but it won't break. It will hold you up in your time of need. Guaranteed. It will do the job 
it was made to do. But I know there's always that little bit of doubt, you know? That's half the struggle, right? How do you know when your community is a community, you know? Now, I've talked about reaching out to others when we need help dealing with our sin because, you know, that is where God's power is so strong it can be felt. But I know that is a lot easier said than done. Some of the hardest words to say are three of the simplest. You ready? I need help. Oftentimes, we get caught up in our own heads, telling ourselves, oh, if they knew this about me, they'd treat me differently. Or if I told them that, they won't ever want to talk to me again. You know, we lie to ourselves, and we, we put ourselves down because, oh, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't be able to look at me. But think about it for a minute. Ask yourself, if someone came up to you begging for your help, you would help them, right? Because you care about them and because we, as Christians, are called to love first and foremost. So if everyone has resolved in their hearts that they will help that person in need, that if a friend came up to them and needed someone to lean on, they would lend them an arm, a shoulder, an ear, then why should it be any different for us? What about our skeletons in the closet make us that much worse, you know, that untouchable? Well, here's the thing, and I absolutely love this. We're a big room of people, right? Let's say the unthinkable happened. Let's assume that of the hundreds of people here, only 10 actually resolved to help someone in their time of need. Now, I know that isn't the case, but let's assume for the moment that it is. Well, even if it was, it wouldn't matter. Remember what we said earlier? One person can fight off one assailant, and two can fight off ten. That isn't addition. That isn't even multiplication. That's exponential. It doesn't say ten can fight off ten. Just And remember, a community isn't formed, and then it decides whether or not to be there for someone. A community is formed because they are there for someone. That is when you know your community is true. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it can be you and one other person. That's a community. And they're out there. They're in here. Those people that have resolved to help those in need. And the kicker is that like calls to like. If you find yourself needing that community, reach out. You'll find those people who are ready and prepared to lend you a hand. That's what they're here for. Now, I have another platitude for you all, and I know you've heard it before. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. So if you are hurting, all you need to do is just reach out your hand. If that fear sticks with you, 
that you aren't enough or that no one will accept you. Take that leap of faith. Your community will catch you. Now, I am not separate from this, you know. I'm right there with y'all. I've hurt before too. About a year ago, a friend of mine started getting me into musicals. I never was before, but I, I started to get into them when they showed it to me. Uh, it was around the start of COVID. Uh, I'd just been sent back home from school, and I was missing my community. You know, I was missing my friends. I was feeling incredibly lonely, like Michel in his cave. My heart started to ache, and I started to spiral down in this self-deprecating funk. I stopped reaching out to my friends. I told myself that you know, if they really were my friends, then they would be the ones to reach out to me. I guess I forgot that relationships are a two-way road. And when I lost touch with my friends, a little voice in my head lied to me and told me that I was unwanted, and that I could disappear and no one would care. That is when a friend of mine reached out with this song. It's from the musical Dear Evan Hansen, you know, for you theater buffs out there that recognize the name. And it's called You Will Be Found. Now, I don't have as strong a voice as Jimmy did, but God put it on my heart to mention this song today because it's so true. It's so true, and I think it carries today's message in every word. It goes like this. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Well, let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay. Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach, reach out your hand. And oh, someone will come running and I know they'll take you home. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be found. Now that song was a much needed wake up call for me. It wasn't a slap to the face so much as it was a gentle reminder from God about how foolish I'd been. So what did I do? I reached out. And my friends, my community, they reached back. You will be found. Because that's what community does. Now, I want to end today talking about you know, July 4th, Independence Day. 
After everything I said at the start of this sermon, I seem to have painted independence in a bad light. I can see it on a few of y'all's faces. <laughs> Great sermon, Garrett. Way to ruin the day. <laughs> but bear with me now. Now, I want to try to paint Independence Day in a new light. Now, it is definitely a story about breaking free, you know, an inspiring tale about finding the strength to stand on your own two feet, to overcome the bullies, and to walk away with your head held high. But think about it this way. Who do we credit with bringing this about, you know, with making that decision? Was it the founding father? No. It was the founding fathers, plural. And what did they name this new nation? The state of America? No. The United States of America. They knew. They understood on this day, 245 years ago, that alone, as separate colonies, they didn't stand a ghost of a chance. But together, not 13 colonies, but one nation, under God, indivisible, they just might have the strength to pull off a miracle. I don't have to tell you if they did or not. You know they did. Independence Day came about because of the strength of that community. So even more than independence, I think today is an excellent reminder of what it means to lean on those around you, to pull your strength together and stand up to your problems. It stands as an example of what a single community can accomplish you know, when they put their backs together. So if any of you are struggling today and you're feeling hopeless in your struggles, like everything you've tried just isn't enough, I ask that you reach out your hand and watch as every other person in this room reaches to take it. Trust in us and trust in the Lord because he will provide for you when you don't have the strength to stand. Will you all pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this country. Thank you for everything you have given us, Lord. It is so much. Thank you for this church community, these amazing people who I've seen stand by one another through thick and through thin, supporting each other in their times of need and being willing to ask for that support when they need it. Lord, you've amassed amazing people here, and I see it every time I come. Lord, I pray that as we go forward from here, you will, you will be with everyone when they are alone, and even more so when they come together, you know, when they come together to worship your name. Lord, you have given us so much to be thankful for, especially this community, and all we can say is thank you. Uh, all these things, I pray in your name, Lord. Amen.